So, hi and welcome to the third episode of uh, HyperTalks Season 4. And today we have a new voice in me, Eric, tuning in and doing my first episode. And together with me, I have my amazing colleague, Ku. <laughs> Hello. Hey. And that means that it's uh, Lynn and Nitin who's responsible for the magic behind the scenes today. And as usual, we are spoiled uh, sitting here in this amazing studio at uh, Beppo Sound Production in the southern part of Stockholm. So a big shout out to you and thank you for your continued support, Beppos. And today I'm super excited about the insights and learnings that we're going to get. Um, maybe it's a bit bold to say that already now, but that confidence lies in uh, both the topic as well as the guest that we're going to have today. And uh, to introduce, we have the business leader, change maker and angel investor, Anna Stenberg with us today. So welcome. Thank you Welcome for having Anna. me. What yeah. an amazing introduction. <laughs> <laughs> That's how everybody should start their morning. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Every day. Yeah. I want to have that intro. <laughs> this change maker. And um, soon to join in on us, the, another change maker and startup talent, uh, a rising star called, uh, he's called Innocent Mugenga, uh, joining us just a bit here. And um, before we get to know you guys a little bit better, we're going to introduce the topic that today is startups and the art of funding. And as a tradition here uh, on HyperTalks, as well as in the hypersphere from Hyper Island, we do a check-in. Uh, the check-in question for today that we're going to have Innocent check-in on as well is, which bad habit do you want to break? <laughs> Q, do you want to start? Do you, have, do you have anything top of mind, Anna? You start. I start. Okay. <laughs> um, I thought about this. Uh, I have a lot of bad habits when I start thinking about it, but uh, the main thing is uh, uh, sleep, I think. I have this disrespect of uh, myself in sleeping patterns. I think I can survive on five hours or... I think I can treat myself with 10 and 12 hours some days, um, but it makes all the difference. I find this, find this clear pattern in good days and even better days, depending on uh, how I sleep. So I, maybe it's, not, it's a bit of breaking a bad habit, but also respecting a good habit in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. And that's exactly, actually, I mean, I see myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> having the same bad habit, actually. I mean, I love being awake late. Mm. Uh, going to bed before two is more or less impossible. Yeah. Because there's so <laughs> much, you know, fun stuff to do. Yeah. <laughs> and you get so creative in the evenings. And then I have two small kids mm. always waking up around, you know, yeah. seven o'clock. It doesn't yeah. really matter if it's weekend or uh, Monday. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I think, you know, five mm. hours is usually my average. But yeah. I feel so much better. Uh, if I get at least seven yeah. or eight. Yeah. So um, that's a really good, you know, yeah. a good bad habit to break. Yeah, right? It makes a <laughs> difference. <laughs> uh, well, hmm, I have to think. We only have an hour, so <laughs> I have a lot of bad habits. Um, I'd have to say mine, probably my worst one I'm experiencing right now is in terms of food. I'm a big snacker. Especially mm. like when I'm home and um, working on things, I just find that I'm like putting stuff in my mouth just because, um, and it never ends well. And I always get a stomach ache and everything. So uh, definitely need to curb that bad habit because why mm. shouldn't do it? You know, I I have that bad habit as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But you know what? Is because before I always had you know chocolate and a lot of candy. I mean, I still do. But now I always make sure to have a lot of berries at home. That so I eat strawberries like mm. every day. And nice. then it turns into a kind of a nice uh, positive habit yes. stuff because that's <laughs> yeah. even healthy. Yes. So just get a lot of strawberries and you can continue with that habit. I'm going to take that tip. <laughs> I'm going to throw away the mini ice cream bars I have in my freezer right now <laughs> and cool. replace them with strawberries. <laughs> I, I actually used to connect the, both of your uh, habits that I used to eat. eat I, I usually eat snacks uh, late in, in the evening during my work hours because yeah. that's the most creative hours. Then I th you get stuck in something and you want something sweet as well. So good to break. Uh, we, Delicious cycle. I think we're going to do a, a short... Um, 
just uh, one uh, 30 seconds we're gonna invite the uh, innocent here um so let's just see yeah hey hey, hey. nice to meet you, nice to meet you hey man welcome Thank you so much. I'm sorry for being late. Yeah, no worries. Uh, as I said uh, when you came, you're some kind of a podcast uh, pro, even though you're on the other side today. Yes, I'm on the other side, and you have a real setup here with a full team, and th- th- that's luxurious. And <laughs> yeah, 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 we're in this lovely studio as well. Super spoiled here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, you missed my announcement and build up for you being an inspiring startup talent and rising star in the wow. Thank you, Eric. Uh, but uh, yeah, warm welcome to you. Thank you so much. Um, Great being here. Yeah. Great meeting Anna. Yeah. So nice to meet you. Live in the studio. Yay. (laughs) This is where the magic should happen. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Let's build on that for later. Um, (laughs) We have um, already done some kind of check in where we touched base um, just to share where you are. And Mm. normally we share how we feel. But the question for today was uh, which bad habit do you want to break? Mm, okay, coming late, I guess I should tie <laughs> yeah. in with that. We, we are, we, <laughs> time management. <laughs> no, I think it's, uh, it would be some slight over-optimism sometimes. Mm. And in a larger scale, so that can uh, lead to me coming a little bit late sometime. Mm. But in the larger scale, it's trying to do too much by myself. Yeah. And that thinking that I can do it and whatever it is needed, I will learn it and do it. It can work, but it's not optimistic. It's not optimal in mm. long term. So that's something that I'm trying to get rid of. And actually know where I learned it from. So it's from a previous entrepreneurial experience where I had to do that. Mm. So I had to be everything at every time. Mm. Uh, but now I'm trying to unlearn that. So that's a habit <laughs> I would like Interesting. to Interesting. Yeah. I think it sounds like a strength to me. Yeah, right. Like a, a strength. Yeah, rather yeah. Rather than a bad habit, I think. I've seen it as, and that's the thing, I saw it as only a strength before, but now I see the downsides of it and I'm trying to combat that. So everything mm. is, has its downsides as well. Yeah, I maybe think. it's the balance uh, of uh, an, an overdone strength um, can be some, somehow harmful with yeah. the habits and time. Mm-hmm. So being too goal oriented, being too mm. forced, could be becoming forceful in that sense. But yeah, sure. yeah, and but, trying to find instead of thinking I'll do it, uh, no worries, I'll do it. Yeah. find who can I work with in doing it and get faster to the smartest mm. solution. Yeah, I am. Yeah, that's really smart checking. We talked about the sleeping and snacks. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> I went deep. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. We said make up. <laughs> we set the bar with the build up, and you you nailed it. Um, but we want to get to know you a little bit more, uh, our guests. Um, so we want to ask you, how did you actually start up uh, the topic for today? As you know, is startups and uh, the art of funding and lovely topic. Just, yeah, we just find, want to find out like. How did you start up in that part of the industry, the startup uh, part of it? Yeah. All right. So I was telling you about the previous entrepreneurial experience. I think this was my first real entrepreneurial experience. So we were running, um, from the start, it was one store, one retail store, uh, which we expanded within one year to a smaller chain of stores. Um, So we had five stores around Sweden and that was like my entry uh, to entrepreneurship. Like mm. I said, we were a small organization, two people, and <laughs> had a lot of great people working with us. But I had to be like the chief operating officer doing everything from recruiting to buy-in to marketing, building e-commerce, starting our own brands. So it was a lot there. Mm. How old were you when that happened? I was around 20 years so I started wow. when I was 20 and I had my ambition set in, you know, 20, you love fashion. I wanted to start my fashion brand. That was my <laughs> goal. <laughs> so I guess that's why I tried to do as much as possible to learn as much as possible. Uh, but after this journey, I, I saw it like I've done all of this. Uh, it's, it's quite a lot. Where would I narrow it down and what would I like to focus on? And I decided digital communication actually was my biggest interest. So... Um, after a while, I started a agency within that communications agency, and actually met our friend that we have in common. Yeah, Pontus. Pontus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had met when we had the store in Yunshaping. Now we met in Stockholm as he moved here. So 
we took a coffee. We're talking about uh, dreams, ambitions, and all of this. And he was at the park by then, uh, a co-working space called the park. So this is I'm trying to show you how it transitioned mm. into the startup scene. Mm. So at the park, there's a lot of startups and and hungry, ambitious individuals, and I really loved that energy. And I'd only experience. Uh, I might have known one or two uh, tech uh, founders, but here it was filled with them everywhere. So there was nice. this was my real proper introduction, mm. I believe, to to the whole scene. To reconnect with that energy that you felt 20 years old uh, with ambitious and dreams. Yes. This is the environment. And uh, this is a, another way of scaling your ambition and dreams. That's, mm. I believe, what I loved most. Mm. So after a while, I actually joined um, a Startup Grind Sweden, the uh, Swedish yeah. chapter of, um, yeah, I think it's one of the lo- world's large, largest startup networks. I think. And I joined them in helping them with uh, communication and building the events. And there I went further into the network and uh, the ecosystem. After a while of doing the agency, I joined Invest Stockholm. And there I got to see like a bird's eye view of the whole ecosystem. Mm. I was there for a year mm. working with uh, uh, investment promotion mm. of Stockholm, the whole tech scene and getting people to move here and, and work in Stockholm. So that was like, I think that's the, my cool. way into. Yeah, you have the 360 view of starting from nothing in that sense uh, with the ambition to having a. A bird side, a bird, yes. bird side view of it. Yes, and being side to side. Talking about investors, I mean, Anna, that's... Um, I We we thought about uh, announcing, presenting all the different boards that you're sitting in and investing in and so on, but yeah, that would take another 10 minutes. You're a human <laughs> doing. <laughs> Please tell us how you ended up in uh, making that decision into the startup. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's so interesting to, to listen, you know, to you to Because you kind of you're just dragged into it, um, basically because you kind of uh, you're drawn towards people that yes. has a lot of energy and mm. ambition and courage, and so I think that's what I enjoy the most mm. of working with other entrepreneurs as well. Uh, but I started my career within the Shinovic Group and yeah. M2G, which is a really like entrepreneurial um, company culture even though it's it's a large uh, it, it's a large group as such and uh, you know I got the opportunity to lead larger organizations but in a really entrepreneurial way so um, I think that's where I got my my toolbox on how to run companies you know mm. in a fast uh, you know paced expansion face so to say cool learning by doing in that sense yeah. absolutely yeah. we were definitely you know building the plane while we were flying it and we were doing um, you know i was working a lot with um, you know the digital transformation so to mm. say uh, when it comes to especially the radio business but also on the tv side This was, you know, back in 2006 when, you know, Spotify oh, yeah. was launching and people were talking about the death of radio <laughs> and we really needed to transform the business model and the way of, you know, um, distributing radio and also selling radio. And um, during these eight years uh, at MTG, I mean, it was a fantastic time. I was um, working a lot, of course, you know, with uh, building the teams, creating really strong management teams. And we really needed to get great people uh, uh, into the companies that we were running. And um, I was really upset uh, by the Mm. uh, headhunting companies, the Mm -hmm. recruitment firms, uh, because they were extremely old school. They did not understand what kind of competences we needed. When we were talking about, you know, digital competences okay. uh, within media, they were like, oh, are you looking for a CTO? Or <laughs> they didn't get it at all. Yeah. And they were only presenting male candidates. Yeah. And all these candidates were, you know, they had gone to the same school. They were brought up in the same area of Stockholm. And everything was extremely, like, narrow-minded and yeah, mainstream. Yeah, old-school frame. Yeah. yeah. And we needed to have, like, really dynamic and diverse teams because we were convinced that that would make us more successful and Definitely. that we would be able to be more innovative and creative in this kind of, you know, challenging and fast-moving environment. Mm. 
but they couldn't provide they, they couldn't be a good like bridge between us and our vacant positions and the competence pool on the market so that's why i decided to start uh, wes and that was almost eight years ago now oh. so wes is a headhunting firm that has a more inclusive uh, um, way of you know searching for the candidates and we always go beyond the traditional recruitment networks uh, in every in every search process we do Uh, in order to really help uh, our clients to mm. get access to 100% of the competence pool. Mm. So we have recruited about 800 leaders now and uh, 75-80% of them are women and about 40% have international background. And that's just um, yeah the opposite uh, statistics compared to mm. uh, the other headhunting firms. <laughs> totally. on the yeah, market. that's amazing because you have this beautiful graph on your website as well. Uh, who you are? That's eighty percent of the headhunting market, recruitment market. And then the, the other ones, twenty yeah. percent. That you're doing that difference, making yeah. that change. So for me, my kind of entrepreneurial journey came from you know frustration. Mm. Uh, I kind of you know identified a need that I had myself, mm. and I. Thought thought you know why don't you know let's do this yeah. and see if it works and yeah. uh, and it has been really really fun to do that but since i have also my background from you know the larger you know settings and leading larger companies and in the digital arena it was also quite natural for me to support other entrepreneurs yeah. and to start investing in interesting startups so I joined some of the boards to, you know, support them and and um, help out with, uh, you know, when they were scaling up mm. and needed to, you know, uh, recruit people and build a leadership uh, structure and a culture. Mm. So that's how I, you know, started supporting other companies and becoming, you know, an angel investor uh, parallel with uh, building West. I think. Amazing. I mean, your your stories are uh, truly inspiring, um, and there's uh, there's a lot to it. I think we're gonna pick some pieces from uh, each of it. Um, yeah, I really love your story, and it's a different way into entrepreneurship. But uh, I I lecture sometimes to to younger kids and. Mm. Talking about entrepreneurship, like this simple explanation, you're solving a need or a problem, and that's really what you've done here, and it's a great mm. example of that. Yeah, uh, seeing the problem from the inside and then being the solution. Yeah, mm. it's so easy to complain, and I was <laughs> complaining for some time before I did something yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, to actually start doing, and at least I I know that I am one of those who needs some clarity in uh, just. W- Actually, what is a startup? Um, what's the difference between uh, calling it uh, starting a company? And is it just a buzzword from San Francisco a couple of years ago that has uh, changed? And uh, is it st- has it still the same value uh, that it has today? And here you talk a lot about it. You there's a lot of depth into uh, your professional story here. Uh, I know Q. Can I call you an expert in the ecosystem of startups? <laughs> <laughs> I've dabbled. I've yeah. dabbled. Um, but no, it's just it, that question was really amusing to me when we were discussing it the other day because I feel like everybody in New York is a founder. It's like <laughs> the, everybody from the kiosk owner to the yeah. Uber driver to the like guy in finance, everybody has a startup. It's like your metro card now. Um, so coming from both of your unique perspectives, I think it's just really interesting to hear what is your definition of a startup for you today Mm. what would you say well i for me it's uh, a very you know a passionate person who wants to create something um i don't think you have to define it like more than that Uh, because for me of course the company itself is of course always interesting you know looking at the business idea or you know the business model but in the end it's always about the entrepreneur Mm -hmm. Um, and it's always the entrepreneurs that I invest in I've seen so many you know business ideas and uh, pitch decks and um, and uh, presentations of uh, you know company ideas but Mm. You know, sometimes they look great, but the entrepreneur doesn't have what it takes. Mm. And then for me, it's not an interesting startup anymore. Mm. So for me, everything is kind of based on the entrepreneur. 
I love that. Yeah, I'm writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I have a funny story about uh, defining startups, mm. and I guess this is like a hard definition. So I was at uh, Stockholm Tech Meetups uh, when I was working at Invest, and there was the this one team that went up from Finland pitching their startup, but apparently they were a consultancy agency helping startups. So Tyler Crowley, who runs Stockholm Tech, yeah. really cut them by the knees. He was really hard on them, but you're not a startup. And he was pointing at the scalability. So I guess like if you're um, a, a really nerdy, hard definition would be scalability, but I'm with you on the entrepreneur behind the, the idea. Yeah. Starting up. And I think it's so easy to be like exclusive, yeah. like and excluding in how to define things. Mm. And I'm just so happy that you know, more and more people here in Sweden are also proud, you know, over, you know, that they can say that they are founders, that they mm. have this great idea. Because, you know, just like 10 years ago, um, it wasn't that popular being an entrepreneur. And a couple of years earlier than that, it was something negative, rather. Mm. So you don't have a real job. <laughs> uh, I mean, I remember when I was studying at Stockholm School of Economics, um, there were never any discussions about, you know, starting companies yeah. or becoming entrepreneur. Either you were supposed to become a banker working in London mm. or a management consultant at like McKinsey or something. Those <laughs> were the kind of the yeah. status jobs. Yeah. And I really, really like that that vibe has changed and that, you know, there's so much more energy and uh, competence uh, kind of injected into the startup scene from all different ways and the more people who wants to you know tag along to that the better because that will create more innovation and yes. more ideas and better companies and better solutions so have you and i always had that uh, point of view like looking at okay everyone when you leave left the school um, uh stock school of economics that okay everyone is doing this they're doing it Here's the frame, a framework mm. for it. Going to London, working at the bank there, or doing this, and then working with MTG, they see that okay, this is the recruitment uh, process, so on. You see these frames, and then you decide to, I'm not being a part of that, I'm changing that, I'm doing something else. Uh, has that always been a thing for you? Because for me, you also do something unique in, um, in the West with um, that you reinvest the company's profits into uh, emerging startups, mm. and so on. Is that, yeah. Has that always been a take for you to... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm very like much driven by lust rather than about like a career strategy or creating the best CV. If I should have done that, maybe I should have, you know, gone to London yeah, <laughs> instead. Yeah. But I, I'm sure I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. So for me, I'm, I'm very like driven by lust. And I think that has kind of defined uh, um, what, you know, my decisions mm. and what I have been focusing on. Um, but the more, you know, every year I think I've, you know, become more and more interested and passionate about also the impact side of uh, entrepreneurship that, you know, we as entrepreneurs can really, you know, have a great impact mm. on the environment Definitely. or on improving uh, uh, the world in different perspectives, like from a society perspectives and, and that's of course why I enjoy doing uh, West because there is an, a social dimension to it as well um, yeah, but that's I'm, a beauty I mean that's uh, for, uh, for me as well looking into to West the, the non-critical aspect of non-critical purpose of uh, sh changing something having, having yeah. that as a strong purpose yeah, yeah. so maybe yeah. coming back to your question yeah. that I think it felt a little bit empty going to mm. London yeah. and uh, just working with the money yeah, <laughs> yeah. without so, the purpose yeah, mm. no purpose and really, I, could, I didn't really see the meaning. Yeah. I'm happy for the people who does, but uh, it was never an option for me. Yeah. So. so I'm really interested in like, I love that you said like lust and when you're looking to invest, like you're looking at the entrepreneur and not necessarily the product or the scalability. So what other criteria do you use? Um, like what checklist do you go through when you're looking to invest in a potential company? Um. The team is, of course, always uh, 
key, making sure it's uh, quite often there is more than one entrepreneur. So how is the dynamic, you know, within the team and how are they kind of complementing each other? Is it three people again with the same kind of background perspectives mm. or is it like a dynamic duo mm. or uh, what can they create together? So for me, the team and the 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 vision of the entrepreneur is extremely important and then like you said scalability mm. uh, is uh, of course interesting um, because if you invest you want to see the company having you know some strong like growth potential mm. so scalability is uh, is also interesting and then I always look at the impact perspective as well and impact and scalability together becomes very interesting yeah. because how can you impact in a larger scale yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. it's so powerful yeah Do you ever let, um, let's say that the purpose of West, because uh, it's also West uh, investing in, uh, or is it you as an individual who's investing in these startups in the sense that you let, uh, you make sure that the purpose of West continues out to, into uh, different scenes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how is that part of your deal in that sense? I mean, you make sure that it's a part of the pitch mm-hmm. and part of the company, mm-hmm. but you also make sure, okay, this potential of this purpose growing it is potential of having an impact do you make mm. sure that that be part of there's some some kind of rule that you should have it in writing and signed on uh, mm. how clear are you on that purpose when i do my own investments um i i see that i go more and more towards uh, the social impact uh, arena um i think what norwegian is doing for example is absolutely amazing yeah, fantastic. so i work for example with a company called quizzer mm. uh, which is absolutely amazing really you know improving the work conditions for um, factory workers in uh, developing countries absolutely amazing so um, so I want that to be um, a strong ingredient uh, in more and more uh, things of you know of what I'm doing yeah. but when it comes to like from a West perspective mm. um, I think how we can impact is also to for example we work a lot with the private equity companies yeah. and the VC firms and we help them improve their organizations mm. uh, by improving diversity mm. um, recruiting more female investment managers for example because that helps them uh, becoming better at identifying more female entrepreneurs that's and, smart uh, it trickles down to the ecosystem yeah, yeah it does so working with the owners from a recruitment perspective mm-hmm. can really really help out uh, improving diversity uh, on the tech scene mm-hmm. and among founders and You know, there are still so few women who, uh, female uh, entrepreneurs uh, who uh, get like external capital. So, um, so I think that's a really good way of kind of changing that scene. And there are also some, uh, I haven't read actually the facts about it, but there's also facts behind the, that diversity and so on actually gives a better result, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, there are so many kind of hardcore surveys that have been mm. made now yeah. uh, where you can see that, you know, the development of the of the result and the profit uh, is 56% mm. better if in diverse in companies with diverse management team mm. and the and also the development of the of the stock and so on. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't really uh, neglected anymore <laughs> you just have to Im- integrate it into the company's overall strategy yeah so yeah 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 it's re- it's the reality um and just looking at this uh, we get a lot of insight like what happened what maybe that you need in that sense uh, for, as looking from the investor's perspective and even though i know that you instead also have this um touch base on having the the eyes and vision of an investor but you're also a entrepreneur and you uh, I know that we, you have something up your sleeve for um, in a couple of minutes but when you start looking at in what point in your startup development do you decide that you're ready to seek outside investment when do you start looking for Anna stand by too <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely I think it's it's a part of the process like just when you're building the pitch deck you notice what type of business are we building here uh, will we be able to build it ourselves or will we need investment and in that you in the pitch deck we have our milestones so by this point we're supposed to have done this and so on so it could, could be for several years or just for a year mm-hmm. and in that we see okay here's a need for a this is our burn rate mm. here's a need for a seed round here's maybe a potential series A and so on so it's not as much as 
filling it in. It's it's quite uh, st- statistical uh, or uh, thought through, really. Um, that process of mm. okay, we might need investment, and there are some um, companies or ideas that you can build by yourself and just do it completely by yourself for a few years. I have some friends that have done that quite successfully, but I see that this is something that will need investment, both in what competence we have in house today and what competence we have to buy in and really get in mm. to to build it. So a lot of structure and uh, to to look at it uh, like the, there's a process of it uh, where it comes to the building it up and then you're ready to look outside investment and what Definitely. I'm hearing then from the other perspective also that to make sure that you invest in yourself right because that was mutually as important to, to know what you're coming with but you have to invest in yourself to you make sure that it shows through you that the drive and that passion yes. is there. Yeah. yeah and I I I think that quite often entrepreneurs they go after external money too early like yeah. uh-huh. looking for investors too early what is too early is the... i mean you should be careful with the stakes you know yeah, you own this company away. exactly and of course you should be you know generous if you can get you know good competence into the company and so on but quite often you just sometimes you can just get a loan from the bank or combine it with some support from Almi without having to give any stakes away because in the beginning of the of the you know company building phase the company won't be worth as much as later yes and uh Also, if you if you get a lot of external investors in, they might have you know their agenda, mm-hmm. and they will have a lot of you know requirements and expectations, and you end up in this reporting uh, mm-hmm. administration uh, thing as well, instead yeah. of just focusing on building the company. So um, quite often, I meet entrepreneurs that you know ask if I want to invest, and I said, well, it's interesting, but if I were you, mm. I would wait <laughs> and, uh, you know, call Almi or call the bank and, and do it this way and come back in a year and your company will most likely be worth twice as much. And then is maybe, then it's time to accelerate and you can get even more kind of um, leverage uh, yeah. from the investors that you bring in. So... Sometimes you know there are a lot of companies that are like so eager to uh, get external money, and I'm like, why? Yeah, I'm taking away my pitch day <laughs> right the, now. I, yeah. must, okay, yeah. I won't say anything. <laughs> no, definitely get the better deal, uh, be in a better position. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So, so that like, and that makes me want to ask you guys like, what future trending or what future trends do you see in funding? Because I think a lot of people just think of the. You know, the cookie cutter, I'm going to go to a VC, I'm going to give up a bunch of equity to my company, we're going to go through a bunch of funding rounds and that's it. Or, Anna, you're an angel investor, um, but there's there's all these different ways you can do it. You can do the friends and family round or crowdsource it. I mean, people are getting so creative today. So, like, what other trends are you seeing? Um I'm, I don't know if it's a trend, but I'm preparing for harder times. It will be harder to come about mm. uh, capital, uh, I believe, within uh, some future. Mm. Have you Please seen elaborate. that or thought of that? Yeah, or? I mean, we, from a, like a recruitment perspective, usually the you know marketing agencies and recruitment agency, we we quite quickly you know see the changes mm. and you know. Companies recruit less; uh, they put less money on marketing, etc. We haven't really seen that switch yet. It's still, you know, quite high tempo on the market. However, I really agree with you that more and more people are kind of preparing for for worse times. Mm. And uh, from an investment perspective, I see it more from you know the fact that entrepreneurs are going more for you know maybe a bigger round than they actually need to. So they are, yeah. So mm. they they go for more money now because they think it's okay. Now it's quite easy to raise money, so let's you know go for a little bit you know bigger volume than we maybe need to at this point, just so because it might be harder in a year. Mm. So then they are ready to actually, you know, um, offer those stakes to a lower valuation. Mm. Um, but the eagerness of getting the money now uh, is bigger. So. Yeah, I agree with you that there is uh, preparations going on for for worse time, and that it might be harder to raise capital in twelve to eighteen months. 
So if you are, because we're looking at um, a lot of people do creating their own businesses and startups and uh, freelancing and what so. Uh, and do you go to the bank? Do you go to you and uh, to an angel investor? What's the difference between different investors? Are there some that you shouldn't look into, or some that you should look into? Mm, I think there is. I haven't categorized them in that way. I've mm. rather um, looked at who should I go after, mm. like who are looking for my type of profile, looking for this type of idea, and start there. And I think you can not maybe ask for money too early. I think that's a, a mistake many, many people do, but you can talk to investors mm. and ask for maybe feedback mm. yeah. early. And do yeah. that really early and get that feedback and start adapting. And that might take you in the right direction, I believe. Yeah. Getting feedback. There's a power in mm. mentorship as well. Uh, yes. Definitely. Yes. And and I also t- think that a lot of um, entrepreneurs, they focus very early on, you know, building a good board, mm. for example. And, you know... Focusing a lot of um, raising money and building, uh, you know, a good board, but that also creates again expectations, and it takes away time and uh, energy from actually just focusing on building the company. Mm. So, for example, when I started West, I decided I'm not going to have a board. Mm. I'll have an advisory board with, you know, an informal, you know, advisors that I can go to when I need to, but I don't want to have any people that I have to report to every quarter. Because it's going to take time from mm. from the business, mm. and I want just want to focus on on building the company. So, uh, but but having mentors or more informal uh, advisors, I think it's uh, I think that's uh, really good. And like you say, I think there are different kinds of uh, investors, friends and family. They don't usually have as high you know expectations or requirements on reporting or. Um, you know how the profit development will will happen and so on. So, uh, and then you have the private equity or the VC firms, for example. Mm. I mean, their expectations are different, yeah. and their time like horizon on when you know the IRR and the money is gonna mm. have to you know yeah. when they want them, their money back uh, is different. So, it's I think it's about expectation, and I think you should be really careful uh, when it comes to which money you go after. So that you make sure that the money you go after won't limit you in the expansion and company yeah. development phase, because that can happen. So still, with uh, what you talked about, uh, having some kind of patience in getting the funding, that is still uh, the best advice to give yeah. in that sense. Looking to rise yeah. as well, yeah. and also having uh, investors that has a bit of a long-term perspective and having patience mm, yeah. and. Uh, um, and hopefully, uh, investors that wants to be part of, you know, follow-on investments, and that can kind of uh, be be your wingman or wingwoman, uh, mm. um, not just for the coming two years, but uh, during a more more long long from a more long-term perspective. Yeah, I believe it can be quite sweaty having an investor expecting to 10x his or her money within a few years. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> might yeah. affect so your decisions. It, <laughs> yeah, it, and it most likely will affect your decision. Yeah. And you will yeah. focus on kind of facelifting the company yeah. rather than building it. And uh, I see that kind of mistake happening, you know, here and there. And also what you're talking about, and you're talking about it in your education path or not taking the conventional path there as well. I think many tr- people try to um, set up that board and do these conventional things that you're supposed to do, have that official board and have all of this. But what's best for your situation and business outside mm. of all these uh, yeah, conventional uh, facts and, and mm. ways about doing it? Yeah, exactly. So what, like, as first-time founders, what would you say are some other, like, do's and don'ts um, when getting your company off the ground and, um, like, about you're about to enter the funding stage and all of that stuff, like any personal anecdotes or things that you've seen in the industry that you advise against to other people? I mean, I was so afraid of, afraid of like, 
sharing my idea with anyone yeah, I was like oh one. my god <laughs> I can't talk to anyone about this because uh, he's gonna copy it she's gonna yeah. copy it so I didn't take any advice at all from anyone mm. because I didn't ask for it mm. such a stupid thing to do <laughs> <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so I was just you know I was, I locked the door I built the business plan mm. all by myself and I was Yeah, it was so stupid. Of course, it would have been so much better to, you know, get more advisors in, ordered from the beginning and calibrate the idea. But I was so afraid someone was going to copy it. I was so (laughs) convinced. (laughs) So that's a really, you know, advice from me and a big mistake I did that I didn't, uh, you know, ask for more advice, especially in that start face mm. I mean people have other things to do than <laughs> building your specific company or Definitely. steal your idea so that was really stupid I'm so glad you said that example uh, I think that's the adv- advice I give the most yeah. people yeah holding on to their ideas I talk to everyone <laughs> about like my latest idea, just to get that feedback yeah, and exactly. like you're saying calibrate, calibrate it directly Mm-hmm. And I think there are a lot of founder mistakes or and different stories and you can find inspiration from different stories. So instead of giving one story or one advice, I would say listen to podcasts. Listen to podcasts like Invest Like the Best is one that I listen a lot to mm. where I get the investor's perspective and hear their stories oh. of people who stumble or, or failed or, or great example of great entrepreneurs they've met and get that inspiration from several stories instead, I believe. And there's, because every situation is so different and you can pick something there, something there and mm. adapt it to where you are. So yeah. if I run into something in, in a few years, I've probably heard of someone who did the same thing uh, a few years back mm. and you can use that. Yeah, that's so cool because uh, I uh, I have a startup with my classmate Nico and one of our biggest wins that we realized is that we have one and a half years still at, at Hyper um, that we're going to be able to talk to industry leaders about all their mistakes and fails and so on. Mm-hmm. It's a harmless environment in that sense mm-hmm. uh, to just collect all the insights mm-hmm. and do's and don'ts and listen, listen, listen and talk. And yeah. uh, of course, we do a lot uh, about... Um, Experience-based learnings, we do, we do, and do. And um, in that yeah. sense, we, will, we get a balance of it, uh, to listen in and uh, some, some kind of manipulating uh, yeah. brainwash to not be yeah. afraid. Uh, no, and I think another advice is also to uh, kind of embrace your fuck-ups. Uh, because, yeah. I mean, you do mistakes or whatever you want to call it all the time. Uh, but accept it instead of like, okay, maybe I'm, you know, on, on the wrong path mm-hmm. here. Uh, but then it can be hard to accept that sometimes and you continue and continue and continue instead of stopping. So you have to kind of say, okay, let's stop this. We try this uh, and let's move in that direction mm-hmm. instead. So entrepreneurship is also a lot about experimenting. And instead of seeing it as mistakes, you can rather see it as, you know, an, a part of the innovation uh, face uh, so uh, but not be afraid of kind mm. of killing your darlings mm. uh, we yeah. learn that every day <laughs> <laughs> exactly and the quicker the better yeah definitely that's, that was super interesting uh, reading a little bit about you and about you being a gymnast from the beginning and learning how to fail fast and forward in that <laughs> sense how that continued and that's typically what we're being pushed at hyper with uh, le- learning love the learnings in that sense mm. and celebrate the failings uh, and you talk about it in learnability as yes. well uh, yeah the, the ability to learn um, it's great I, I taking it further and I love failing love the failures because when I fail I can see on what scale I'm still alive <laughs> everything's going on and I've learned the mistake and the worst scenario isn't that bad so let's move on mm. so I actually really enjoy the failures because I can see it it's it's happened Instead of the unknown, you're not knowing if the world's going to end. That type of (laughs) fear is something else. But just a small hiccup or a failure, it's over with. That's a great attitude. (laughs) I wish I could have that. (laughs) The same approach. (laughs) Develop it. I love to. I love to fail, but also love to do risk management. You know, like looking at okay, where can I? Where are the speed bumps uh, in Mm. that sense? And but I, it's a balance. You get a little stuck sometimes. Becoming good at failing with low risk. That's Mm. perfect. Mm. You're in the sweet spot. Ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And the sooner you kind of. quit mm. or you kill that darling the, the, the better yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly move on <laughs> but uh, yeah but talking about um, 
and learnability and so on. Um, it would be interesting because I talked we 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 dropped that you have something up your sleeve, uh, innocent for us. But uh, you have a startup, yeah. Um, and you have some. It's about to launch. It's about to uh, go out. At least it's in a phase where we talk about stage looking at for investments. Uh, we have an investor right here. Um, so I don't want to create some kind of tension, but see, can we see if we can make a deal here? Should I be <laughs> on Swedish and hijack the whole yes. podcast and do a pitch? You, you have an elevator pitch. You have somewhat around four minutes to do this. Uh, right. So let's see if we can uh, make it happen. I'll just tell about the idea and jump in with questions anytime. But it's it's related both to uh, my career and experience. And uh, yeah, so you probably heard all of my career is self-taught and it's self-education all the way through um so and seeing it my journey what i've enjoyed the most is really the development part and and the ability for everyone to pursue whatever they want to pursue so and also i've been looking a lot at the school system which i think is needs a lot of change and so looking at that from the outside how can we change it I decided to focus on creating tools for individuals to enhance or um, make their self-education more tangible. So with that idea, I'm seeing information consumption as potential education. So let's create a tool, um, and this is an audiobook service. In, 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 a, in a simple term, it's an audiobook service that where we remove all the fiction, and focus on nonfiction and add additional nonfiction that's hidden in university libraries today. So we add all of this uh, nonfiction, learning, education books, and on that, so everything you listen to, and this is also looking at the time where we're moving more towards audio with smart speakers, ear pods, uh, whatever we will be wearing and mm. talking to our devices. So. I'm listening to an audiobook about, let's say I'm interested in leadership. Everything that I'm listening to is transcribed on the other side. So I'll be saying, talking to my device, highlight the last sentence or last two sentences. This goes into the notebook. So there's a notebook in this that's an important part of the, the technology. So everything that's highlighted, and this is something that I haven't figured out why nobody has done yet. Take Evernote, mm. for example, really good note-taking mm. app. <clears throat> They're still passive. So it's a digital note-taking function, but it's passive. If I've highlighted this, it means that this is of interest to me. So this is where we add uh, empirical learning techniques like spaced repetition and multisensory learning. So I've highlighted something about leadership. My app tells me, hey, look at this uh, TED Talk. You were listening to this audiobook. Look at this TED talk. Read this article, and gives me gives it to me in in um, these spaced uh, repetition, and uh, enhances my learning in that way. So, I'm listening to my books. I'm note taking. It's reminding me. And when I do note taking, and if I myself find something outside that's related to what I've noted here, I make an association. And all of this creates sort of a, this is where social learning comes in. It creates a social feed based of my learning. So if we're learning the same thing, if we're both interested in leadership, you will see, oh, Innocent connected this to this. I actually like that. Let me connect it in mine. So you have that uh, economy sort of in the echo, in this ecosystem that's based off my learning, not of my bragging mm. or attention mm. wanting which might be the the economy in uh, traditional social media so that's uh, a wow. quick rundown of the idea <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool and uh, can you uh, have you already kind of identified the revenue model and how to yes. make money out there's of it? quite a uh, we <clears throat> so we're starting off in the audiobook uh, market. I see us later moving into e-learning when we have strengthened the technology for enhanced learning. But if you look at the audiobook market, there's the traditional unlimited subscription model. So that's the first revenue model. Mm-hmm. Uh, later, we, as you use this, you create an ecosystem of users. So on, let's say, Twitter and uh, Instagram, you have the blue check mark if you're a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Here you'll have a blue T mark if you're a thinkfluencer or teacher, whatever you want to call it. And when you are that, you have enough people associating your content. You have 
and yeah, I forgot to mention this <laughs> important part. So this is about people being able to maybe move, to switch careers. If I'm, I'm at the job, but I want to try something else, I don't have the time or money to go to school or sit down in school and spend that type of time. I can put 10 minutes, five times a day and do that all through a year and get that education. And this will show in your profile saying that, okay, this person puts these many hours in learning this and it's really, it shows your learnability. So learnability quotient is what you're going for. And with that, the people with a higher quotient can start creating content within the service. So you have a Thinkfluencer creating an audiobook based off uh, so you can cut the traditional uh, publishing of, of hard copy book yeah. and publish a, a audiobook, and so that's one model. And I, I, we can go through some of the model. Yeah, okay. I have so four. You've come quite far in the in the development process. Then. Yeah, uh, mm. yeah. So it started really. I always start with a bigger vision, like okay. Mm. changing the whole school system and then just break it down okay what practical tool and then break it down even further uh, like in creating this pitch deck mm. when will i need funding yes yeah, comes from building it backwards from that vision okay these are the steps to get there yeah that's cool do we have a deal anna <laughs> <laughs> show me your deck yes show I me will. the numbers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then let's talk I will. <laughs> Beautiful, yeah. Bringing people together, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from a, like a democrat, democratic perspective, yes. I mean, it's uh, kind of getting access to know-how and to other people's competence yes. in new and more accessible ways. Is um, I mean, it's uh, that's really cool. Being a board member and uh, I think investor and board member or just board member, I don't remember in. Um, What's called strawbees. I mean, yeah. uh, educational tech is something that's close to your hearts as well. But yeah, I think we, um, in that sense, we uh, need to wrap this up. Yes. Um, so one final question for you guys before you leave. Uh, what do you hope to change in your work? So for me, it's uh, currently education and democratize education and create opportunities for individuals to pursue their fulfillment. Cool. Yeah, and for me, it's uh, diversity, again, but not just uh, improving the improving diversity on management and board positions, but also more female entrepreneurs and uh, making sure that we have uh, more more female owners as well. I support that. <laughs> I'm a little biased, but I think that's amazing. Um, but I just want to say thank you to both of you guys so much for joining us today here thank in you. the studios. Thanks. Uh, I don't know about you, Eric, but I feel really good about this conversation. Yeah, same here. It was great um, meeting you, Anna. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So nice <laughs> listening yeah. to you, too. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. And thank you again to Beppo Studios, as always, for hosting us here. Um, and before you guys leave us again, uh, can you let the listeners know where they can find you on social media? Yeah, uh, so my personal is at Innocent Magenga, and uh, you can find Learnability, my podcast there, at uh, learnability.online or learnability.tv on Instagram. Great. Yeah, and I think the best place to find me is on LinkedIn, mm. uh, Anna Stenberg, and uh, you can also find West Group there and uh, learn more about what we are doing at West at uh, westgroup.se. Amazing. Thank you both. Thank you Thank so much. You guys. Thank you so much. Thanks. Making the change. Amazing. <laughs>